Hello everybody, and welcome to the first Something Who of the Space Year 2020. Today we're going to be looking at Spyfall, the two-part story that's just opened Series 12, and then Claws of Axis, the four-parter from 1971. But before we do that, a couple of quick admin items. First of which is we're currently doing a listener survey, the link for which is going to be on the blurb that accompanies this podcast. We've had a few responses so far and we're already acting on that feedback by getting straight into the action and repositioning our sketch as a mid-podcast palette cleanser. So please take at most two minutes to fill in our survey and uh, that'd be great. Also, if you like what we do, please tell other people about our podcast. The hardest thing about the podcast, apart from the editing, which is brutal, but thankfully I forget how grim it is in between each time we do it, is the publicity and getting new listeners. So please help us to spread the word, either by leaving a review on iTunes or maybe Podchaser, or by talking about us on social media, or maybe even talking to your real-life friends and colleagues. Anyway, that's the admin over. It's time for the show. And back after precisely too long, it's Simon. Yay! Yay! Excellent. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's fantastic that uh, you've been able to find the time. And then next, it's the keeper of the Jago and Lightfoot flame at uh, Big Finish. It's Paul, and it's always a pleasure to have you on. Hey! Oh, that's good. Okay. Yes. And uh, in our timeline, we've only just seen him on Mastermind. In in yours, it may have been a few days ago, but here he is. It's it's, it's, it's the the, uh, Quizman extraordinaire, Giles. Yeah, you're too kind. Hi, guys. So, uh, Spyfall, everybody. First Doctor Who for 12 months. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about the fact it's been 12 months? I can't say I was <laughs> counting the months, but... Um, or do you mean how about the episode? Well, a bit of each, a bit of each. Right. I didn't feel the gap any more than um, I would between a normal series, I have to say. But um, I think we're I guess getting that's old. just part of getting older at the time. Yeah. Yeah. The reason time there shouldn't be these gaps is, is for the kiddies. Mm. But, yeah. um, yes. I, you know, I was saying that back in 2009 and nobody listens mm. to me. Mm. The BBC just keep thinking it, ch- relying on the assumption that children are going to remember it and be, I don't know, perhaps they think absence mm. makes the heart grow longer. Mm. Mm. Well, <laughs> you're, but you're right. I mean, a year is a long time in the life of a child. Um, you know, as as my teenage daughter. I mean, you know, the last time I turned around, um, she was a year younger. Anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> That's poetry, dear boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, I I I think if if twelve months. Um, is what it took for them to be able to write a decent script, then that's um, been you know, very well spent. Yes, it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Now we start to see. I should. should oh, how many you. times have we had this opening uh, where I try to conceal my thoughts as long as possible <laughs> and some ill-advised yeah. joke in inverted commas yeah. gives the game away. Yes. Oh, it was, it was quite good, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. We should tell tell listeners that yeah, we are all coming into this pretty much cold, apart from having exchanged a couple of messages while um while organising uh, when we were going to do our recording and so on. We've really not had much discussion, so we're all kind of yeah, not all that aware of what each other has concluded mm-hmm. about it. So yeah, we're pacing around the elephant in the room, aren't we? Um, and sooner or later we're going to bump into it. 
But yeah, I mean, f- so for me, I thought. I think um, I got the trunk. At least I, I, hope, that, <laughs> I hope that's the trunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I thought part one was quite uh, reminiscent to me of of a RTD era sort of lots of stuff going on in the space of it of an episode. I mean, I'm mm. not saying that necessarily it's. Yeah, it, you know, it's everything that RTD would have done, but I, but it, it had that kind of feel to me of of, of the the epic quality of maybe uh, the first, uh, you know, the, the the season enders that he used to do, um, seasons three and four maybe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be really picky, it made me think more of those sort of mid series two parters that he would do. I don't don't know quite oh, yeah. why. Maybe because yeah, yeah, maybe because the stakes aren't quite as high. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean the the. Lenny Henry character, the villain mm. whose motives and uh, methods come out of some sort of topical current issue, viz mm. social media and privacy concerns, that's yeah. very RTD indeed. Mm. Yes. It's, a, it's a nice, um, safe, reliable format for modern who. Mm. I was very worried as the story was going on that they weren't actually, he wasn't actually going to do much with that, do that idea justice. And really... To the extent that it did, it was only really in Lenny Henry's... I've forgotten the character's name, sorry. In Lenny Henry's... Um, Daniel Barton. I think I'll just call him Lenny Henry, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's only really in his, mono- in his monologue at the end to his audience. Yes. Mm. Very close to the end when he's about to finally... And um, I did think that was a slight weakness in the structure. I mean, we only really find out what he's up to at the very end, mm. and then he's foiled minutes later. I'm never mm. a big fan of that format, to be honest. Mm. Uh, it would have made more sense if we'd, if that had been the um, mm. episode one cliffhanger. I think yeah. that's the way Russell would have written it. I mean, something like that. And then would have spent the um, second episode with the Doctor either reversing it or getting mm. out, now get out of that somehow. Mm. I think that's a particularly new Who format. Both the, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the topical, the topical villainy well, or so the... Um... Having a sort of mid... Mid story um, cliffhanger and and then doing something slightly different with the second episode. Mm. Mm. It's um, it, Moffat took that to extremes, yes. didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's was... not what we got here, <laughs> so mm. I shouldn't be talking about it. Mm. But um, yeah, I did think it would have been better if we'd had a bit longer to think about the consequences. Yeah, it's quite a nice idea. Um, mm. <laughs> it's got something slightly horrific about uh, oh yes, people yeah. as hard m- mobile hard drives. Mm. Mm. With the infinite capacity of our DNA. That's um, quite clever, I think. Yeah. Probably doesn't hang out scientifically, but Giles can, <laughs> can explain why not. <laughs> Dr. Spoilsport. Uh, no, I'm not going to. I'm not a biologist anyway. I'm sure I could look up what the, um, what the storage capacity of DNA is, well, but yeah. You could, you could get a whacking amount of data into a person, I'll mm. say that much. Yes. But I, but I, I don't know how you'd write it, though. Mm. But then maybe, I suppose, the, the CRISPR stuff. CRISPR, is, yeah. yeah. They've, they've, they've talked about rewriting genes, mm. haven't they? And, it would have been, um, yeah, I guess it would have been nice. And this is all, a lot of this stuff is going to be based on things that, okay, on, on reflection. And I'm, I'm, I would say I thoroughly, my gut reaction was I thoroughly enjoyed that, pretty much all of it, watching mm-hmm. it. And that's, yeah, that's what I try to, try to judge these things on. But I guess, yeah, you can see, say, okay, from a structural point of view, it might have been nice to have actually had some, Demonst- some visual demonstration of some characters or some, you know, some ciphers who had had that happen to them. Yeah, I and mean, were being so used, to... and it would have been another layer of mystery that perhaps if we had seen these people standing around or whatever and being used as hard drives mm. without us understanding what was happening. Mm. Yeah, um, should we? D- 
I could come back to that. I think I'm going to wait for some people to say a few more yes. positive things about the story before I start. Yeah. Yeah. Simon, we haven't heard from you. No, I I left the last series feeling shortchanged. I mean, I went on and on like a scratch record about the the lack of the lack of action and what does Ryan hmm. ever do? And uh, goodness me, after two episodes of this new series, I've you know I've got more than my money's worth. Ryan saves the day. He flies a plane, so we tick that <laughs> box. That first episode had plenty of threat and action. I thought the aliens were the ex were excellent. Mm, they sort of had mm. a real element of mystery to them as well and threat. And then I think the I again I was critical of Jodie Whittaker as the doctor in the last series, but I thought she was excellent in both episodes. Her interaction with the master in this new story I thought was fantastic and her scene mm. atop the Eiffel Tower with this latest generation of the master I I thought that's some of the best master scenes I've ever seen in Doctor Who I thought thought it was that good that was good that was certainly yeah definitely his best scene for me I think um, I just felt like they paid lip service to his eccentricity when he first appeared with mm. his bounce, the mod he did a bit of um, John Sim style mod yes. master bouncing yeah. up and down and being eccentric and gurning and whatever. Yes. And it just felt mm. like they felt they needed to do that for mm. because some people in the audience will think that's what the master is. But then he calmed down quite mm. quickly and uh, and went to the other extreme and became quite yes. a menacing, Sassan- quietly me- quietly menacing. Kind of, yes. ma- sorry, master. Yes. I should we, just all, we should all call him master in honor of both of our hosts <laughs> and our doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time I've heard him called the Master since Simon Groom yeah. on Blue Peter in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> Derbyshire's finest, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, so I agree with you. I, I was a little bit worried about at the end of episode one that, um, that it was all going to be a bit manic and and and, and uh, from the Master, and then second episode I, I was very impressed with with the more subtle performance. Mm-hmm. So, so I, um, I liked that much better. Yes, um, and we only got about uh, only got like two or three minutes of the manic acting anyway, so it wasn't as if it was um, that big a deal. I guess you can. I I happily forgive him for that on the grounds of well, he's he's a bit happy that he's just sprung his trap and yeah, blindsided yeah. blindsided the doctor. If you if you're trying to think up an in-story explanation for why he's um, somewhat hyper mm. at that mm. point. <laughs> the mm. other the other big box tick for me was we actually saw the doctor taking charge of things and solving things and working things out and plotting and scheming mm. and no no sort of um, timey-wimey nonsense or waving. There was quite a lot of sonic screwdriver action but um, it's good to see her working mm. things out and coming mm. out on top and <coughs> outwitting the, you know, actually being more devious than the master. Mm. So that I, I thought that was a cracking performance from Jodie Whittaker in the mm. in the two episodes. So I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm delighted with what I've seen so far. Hmm. Hmm. I think that's carried forward from last year in general. Sorry, that the uh, as a reaction to Moffat's stories being so completely impenetrable, and you've never been quite sure how anyone's managed to achieve anything at the end of it because it was all told out of order. Hmm. But yeah, we definitely go on the journey with her, don't we? Hmm. We're privy to all her thought processes, but sometimes it can be a bit too much for me hearing her outlining absolutely everything as she's thinking it through. But hmm. you, you can't accuse him of not wanting to leave. Any of the audience behind? Yes, mm. yeah. Or possibly mm. the opposite. What I just said, mm. but you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> uh, talking of not leaving people behind, I was, I was really hoping Ada Lovelace was going to join the crew <laughs> because mm. yes, 
she was she was fantastic. She got stuck in and she knew how to, it reminded me of Ace a little bit. She knew how to handle explosives and things like that. And she was mm. just it's a very very contemporary feel this TARDIS crew and it just would have been nice to mix it up a bit more and have somebody fresh on board but mm. you know you never know what's ahead with this series so we'll, we'll see what happens but mm. I, th- I thought Ada was fantastic and Nora as well that was a nice touch as well the the, the Paris set part of the story as well that was really enjoyable as well that would have been a good story in its in itself as a standalone yeah mm. I I'm torn on that because while it's nice to have a bit of colour and in a sense they were thrown away these settings they, as you said, yes. it could have been whole, whole stories, and also, mm. oh no, that's not if that's the worst criticism I've got. It's not really mm. much of one at all. I felt the Paris one was a bit more thrown away than the um, than the Georgian one. I mean, it's, yes. you know, that that didn't mm. seem to have maybe too much more in it. But the but the, the Paris thing certainly that you know there's, there's a lot that you could do with that, and and they didn't get very long to, mm. to play it with was it. Just really a backdrop for the um for the for the Oxford and the Master to have their Big, big old conversation, I guess, really there. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to react against a series entirely composed of one-part stories and move back to longer-form storytelling, mm. which some of us thought we were going to get from Chibnall, mm. we could have had, you know, three or four episodes of this. We could, once you've yes. got people being stuck in time without TARDISes and having to live... Mm. Mm. That's a very good device. It means it's better storytelling because they have to... Go for not they can't just use the obvious mm. solution to problems, but well, I guess if you think about a classic big finish, four, you know, four disc box set, you would have a story in each of those locations, wouldn't you? Mm. Um, and you'd still manage to bring it up to a conclusion in the end. Oh, you had to mention big finish four disc <laughs> <box sets>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, well, now, yes. So, so you've had a you've had an encounter with Ada recently, haven't you? Paul? Oh, good. I wasn't. I <laughs> didn't want to have to bring it up myself because that would <laughs> have been horrifically embarrassing. Do the rest of you know that, or any Giles? You're not keeping up to date with my oeuvre. The mistress, no, we, of, um, mistress of Numbers? Yeah, my, my co-writer and I wrote mm. a Tom Baker adventure, Fourth Doctor adventure, The Enchantress of the Numbers. The Enchantress of Numbers, right. yes. Which is what she was called mm. later in life by... Uh, I forget who... I think it might actually have been Babbage, actually. Mm. Now come to think right. of it. Hmm. It is set later on, and... Um, Obviously, my main concern through all those scenes was just wondering whether they contradict anything. Right, you know. But because <laughs> because Doctor Who helpfully wipes her mind, mm. and in, in my in my head canon version of the story, she's muttering to herself, "I, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll see you later on when I yeah, yeah. Mm. when I'm a bloke with curly hair and a big nose." <laughs> Great minds think alike. Well, that's an ex- that's an exercise for the viewer, anyway, is to, is to search that out and and. Uh, See how that fits into the big panel. finish. Have it on special offer. I don't know how long it's if it will still Ooh. be on offer by the time this podcast comes out, but it's reduced at the moment as an incentive. Oh, okay. <laughs> as are various other stories with loose tie-ins to this. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much. Plug over. Platform marketing. I haven't had I haven't had time to research this, but it was rather interesting that she was in this story. Ada has been seeing. Not exactly ghosts, but she's been communicating with these apparitions that she thinks are her guardians since throughout her life, hasn't she? Since mm. childhood. Yes. Yeah. And I need. I wanted to go and check if that was based on anything from her real life. It's she, embarrassing. She's that afflicted by illness. Certainly. Yeah. Mm. Because she sees ghosts in the story that we wrote, which is right. Odd. And yeah, I'm wondering yeah. perhaps that's why we put it in there. But I, mm. <laughs> I should know because we did a lot of research at the time. But we wrote it so mm. long ago. As mm. you know, they've been stockpiling Tom Baker stories. I think we wrote it about. 
15, 16 years ago. So. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it came yeah. out last year, so I guess it was about three, three or four years old. Hmm. Yes. The only thing I didn't like was that she did that thing that uh, to show that she's a historical personage, she didn't use contractions like she was a Vulcan or something, hmm. which right. I found slightly wearing. I, but um, yeah. apart from that, well, you know. terrific. It depends. I, you know, I think there's a, there's a place for, and you know, as we know with them, um, mm. was it Ripper Street where they um they got the characters to speak in iambic pentameter in order to um, to heighten the difference of the language, didn't they? Uh, wow. But at least in bits of it, they actually mm. wrote the dialogue that way. But I thought that was pretty great. I think I knew. Yeah, it's it trod the it's yeah it, it trod the fine line. That I like between silliness and you know silliness and seriousness. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed to obviously the the companions had somewhat more of the silliness side of things with the spy spy jinx and so on. I'm not yes, I mean the spy stuff is a bit forced in order to at a certain point. I think in order to think okay, we're going to do a we're going to do a bond spoof, mm. but it was definitely you know and and that was certainly. Bits of it, like the laser shoe we used as, you know, light relief. Yeah. I've got to be honest, I don't think it all hung together, but I don't want to just bring the mood down by listing mm. all the... I do think that the various elements are a bit crowbarred together. Um, the idea that the the aliens were spies themselves uh, seemed a bit tenuous because mm. there wasn't really... He's, they say that, mm. but they don't really behave like that. You don't really get that mm. feel. It's just something they say and... Mm, yes. Because they want they want to tie it all up and make it seem like there's some thematic consistency. Mm. I mean, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I didn't really get my head thrown through what the yeah it... point was of their their plan. It seemed to me that on their on their own terms, they were hiding on planets throughout the universe, mm. taking notes in case they ever needed to invade this universe. Mm. Is that is that the long and the short of it? It seemed to be, and that the, yeah. um, the master had so t- tipped them over into. It's kind of thin stuff. Saying and go ahead and do it. Um, but just on, yeah, mm. just on Earth. Yes. Well, so well, in we Earth, they said in the in episode one that their ambition was to take over the whole universe, didn't they? Mm. I thought it, it. I'm sure there's an if, as in they're taking notes in preparation, right, okay. mm. but maybe. Yes, which that's that's my. Seems, no, that's my it, recollection it, as well. It, was, was it a... seemed a bit odd to me to be in another another universe again, just like we were in episode episode nine last year. Was, mm. I remember saying, and whole other universes is a massive mm. concept rather than just you know the usual other dimensions. It's normally mm. an, another dimension is weird enough if you want to go down that route. But now mm. we've had yet another one. It's um, become a bit commonplace. Yeah, but isn't that so, just... so? If you do that, if you do that too often. The mm. doctor looking at and saying, but that's impossible. It's another universe. Mm. It doesn't really mean anything if you're having it every other mm. episode. True, yeah, anyway. but then I'm not, I'm not sure whether that's just and what is it? loose use of language with regard to, you know, and really, really, if you say another dimension well, versus another you're saying, universe. You're saying David Whitaker-ish? Hmm? <laughs> well, slight, yes, well, possibly. From the, um, the fifth it's, universe. Or... Yes, it's a bit mission to the unknown, isn't it? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh dear. I expect people will think that this story fixes the problem that there's too many companions and not enough of them all to do. But I'm still not convinced. Because it was longer, mm. they were able to split them up. 
mm. which of mm. course is what you would, as we said at length last year, like the year before, mm. that's what you, what you need multiple companions for to split them up. Yes. But in the early days of the program, you needed that because the stories were long, mm. and that was the best way to structure it. But when stories are only one episode, mm. you don't really have time to split up, mm. which is why we had those endless trains of people. Yes. Yeah. Doctor companions and guest stars all following well, each other around yeah, in circles. And, um, here they do get split up mm. because there's room for the plot to breathe. Mm. Yes, but and because they're split, two and two would have made sense. But because we split the Doctor mm. off with and three, she then has to get two new companions. She gets two new companions yes. to yes, and yeah. three companions yeah. are on their own, and that's still too many. Yeah. Mm. They don't really get any more to do with each other. Well, <laughs> it was quite promising when when Yaz was acting as a reporter. Mm. Uh, in, in, in yeah. episode one, that so was, it's, I think I'm mostly thinking of episode two. Actually, sorry. Yes. Yeah. No, but you know, it, so so you know that that felt for a moment as if it was going to to be something, but then that was probably about the last thing mm. that she got to do in the story. Um, and and Ryan similarly, I suppose. I mean, they, they, there was a little bit of of um, byplay later the on. Plain, the same stuff for Ryan. And, yeah. Um, but and the, the the laser shoes for Graham. I mean, mm. they technically, in a box ticky way, they do all get something to do. Yes. Mm. I'm just still not sure I know any more about. And yes, doing I'm not the, sure that the decoy phone not, call. Yeah. I'm not sure that yeah what we know about each that what they each did in this story tells us anything more about those people. Mm. Ryan. Flying it like it's a computer. I thought it was going to go down the path of him being able to fly the plane like it's a computer game because mm. that was a, mm. that, a gag they had last year, wasn't it? Mm. Where he was charging after robots as if it was Call of Duty or something. Mm. But mm. Um, is that a computer game, Call of Duty? I said that really yes, confidently in the hope yes. that I would sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I thought. I thought. Um, but then, to some extent, the point of that, the point, the entire point of that subplot was possibly for me. In as much as I was looking at character development, it was possibly to actually get that, have the, have the companions asking themselves, or to put them in a situation where they're asking, who is the, you know, who is this woman really? What the, you know. Yeah. Mm. No, it was nicely structured in that way that they, the moment they discover that the master is an, another one of the Doctor's race, that they then lose both those characters from their plot and spend, spend the next hour wondering, mm. mulling it over, which is quite, quite nice. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I don't... Uh, couldn't anyone remind me how... Um, I couldn't work, quite work out who was in charge of this plan. The Master, Lenny Henry, or... How do they all fit together? How did the jigsaw of this this plan through time to set up the alien... Was it a plan through time? Was it just happening in the present? It seemed to be just... It was, just the... it was happening in the present. In his mind. Yes, it was just happening in the present. But yeah. taking take advantage of the fact they'd been there, sort of. It was, it was the doctor that took advantage of the fact that they'd been there a long time, wasn't it? Mm. By, yeah. Yes. By rigging up that statue. Mm. But but the master's got in... two trajectories through the story, hasn't he? He's got the initial one, and then he goes back to Nazi Paris, and then he's got another seventy-seven years back through it again. Yes, so, he's spent an <laughs> so, awful so, lot of time undercover, and yeah, presumably yeah, dodging yeah. around, avoiding himself. Yeah. Oh, they can which fit is, in so as, many which stories. My, which, is my, as my Pallian said, is not is hardly his style. Um, no. To actually, well, I mean, you think, okay, the doctor, you can buy it from the doctor that having to live live there and avoid, avoid interfering with things from her own yes. past. But you, you kind of think, wouldn't he have been tempted to have nudged, you know, nudged things when doing all those unit stories? Yeah. I mean, they do that occasionally, don't they? Have a have a 
Time Lord not get stuck in a, in a particular place for a long time, mm. or even Jack Harkness. And it's a fun throwaway. It was gag. A, it was we, a good gag. I like. I but like, if you stop and think about the that. mechanics of, of what, mm. you know, then it doesn't really. Yeah. You know, ask, yeah. Makes more questions than anyway. But that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, so, so I, you know, I said it in in as much as episode one was was RTD esque, I thought episode two was a bit Moffaty, but but not Moffat from Blink, more Moffat from Curse of Fatal Death. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's got that kind of. Oh, the, you know, well, the master turning I, I, up I, at, the, at that precise moment is is a yeah. That's very true. Mm. Yeah, and the uh, them trying to outwit each other, and the Doctor going back to the plane to sort that out. It, it, mm. it all has that kind of. I mean, it, you know, yeah, yeah. The, it's a bit like Blink, but it just feels a little bit less well thought through than that. I don't, I don't know, less well thought through, and I, I think that's that's the level on which personally I can I can. <laughs> I think Blink's the gold standard of, of intelligently, seri- seriously thought through science fiction time travel for me. And most of the other times Moffat does it it's mm. for a, a gag. He's got the, yes. they're all in a continuum somewhere between Curse the Fatal Death and Blink for me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, yeah. you know, this was more down that Bill and Ted Fatal Death end. Yes, and it's, yeah, but I and it's fun because it yeah. wasn't intrinsic. It wasn't important for the story. It was just there for. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I like it. Every so often you have to remind people this is supposed to be a program about time travel. There's mm. often less yeah. less use of time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Within stories mm. in Doctor Who, and there is in a lot of other programs. I think mm. I've said and this it, before. And it's it more to be fun. way of getting from one episode to another. Then, mm. Simon, we've 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 not heard from you again for a bit. Have you have you got some more sage thoughts for us? I've 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 depressed him. No, <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy I did enjoy it. It was fun. I, I, I think if we've got plenty to pick through, I think that's the sign of a good good story as well. I think mm. I thought the plot was the master introduced Daniel Barton and to the aliens got mm, the aliens yes. and Daniel Parton yeah. to right and then th- it was the master's suggestion to to use human DNA as a as a hard drive hmm. right and okay. that that floated Daniel so th- Barton's boat so the master didn't really need Lenny Henry he just used him because he likes to overcomplicate his plans doesn't he he likes to introduce as many points of fate potential points of fate <laughs> yeah. as he can into any in plan it's, he's never happy if it's if it's too simple Mm. Although I think, I mean, uh, they, you know, Barton was was um, probably the strongest link in the chain. I mean, it, you know, it was all going quite well at the end, and mm. until they stepped in, I suppose, to foil him at the last moment. But but you know, he he, he, he seemed quite uh, his character seemed quite resolute and to, and to be mm. following it through. Yeah, yeah. If he, he hadn't reckoned with a, if there hadn't been any time travellers involved in this story, he'd have been away there. Yes. But, mm. I thought, on the other hand, it's all a bit superficial, his storyline. I mean, I don't know. I, why on earth is he selling out the entire human race? That's quite extreme. Because mm. he's... Sorry, um... For a human. Human villains aren't <laughs> normally quite that... Sorry, what? Ask Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe that's It's it. a dig at... I think it's a dig at all those guys. And now we were only... Going to get a bit political now. There's people like Carol Cadwallader exposing various things on the internet and misuses of data mm. and that that it's, speech Lenny Henry did near the end I know I know it was all part of the plot but that was that was brilliant about you know thank you very much for letting our devices yeah, in your was. bedroom and mm. so we can hear your private conversations and thank you for giving us your mother's maiden name <laughs> every time you log in on you you need to do a security question things I thought I thought that was brilliant and very 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 topical so mm. yeah th- these guys who run these organizations they they're obsessed with data and finding out these things, and they're driven on. Mm. I guess that was that was the 
you know, that was the next that was the next step for this highly fictional character. Mm. He's not yes. like anybody real at all in the slightest, but that was the <laughs> next that was that was a massive leg up from the master and, and these aliens and mm. yeah. He wanted to take take mm. it to a it's whole different to level. Make you think, especially to make the younger people think, isn't mm. it? Yeah. I think probably about who like what you're giving away. Mm. Because they this this generation have never really known the idea of privacy. It's mm. not this is the norm to them from birth to share everything with everybody mm. and not think about potential consequences. Mm. I wonder how many I wonder how many Alexas have been sent back to Amazon. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I mean I've I may be being very naive and it may turn around and bite me on the ass, but I've never been that bothered about the about giving away too much of myself on social media. I'm not. It's not something that keeps me awake at night. And I've got loads of friends who've come off various platforms because they're not happy with that. So that that side of it doesn't really engage me, and it feels like it's almost slightly out of date. I mean, a year ago this would have been quite topical, but in terms of the dangers of social media, we've moved on, probably since this was written, even since it was filmed, into the era where social media is used to give us all a false consciousness politically. That's... Well, it, that's oh, probably not something you can address in Doctor Who. It's much simpler to talk about. Well, we've gone. Um, we've got. We, I mean, all this technology and artificial intelligence. It can. It can work wonders. But haven't we gone back full circle? So now it it, it sort of empowers and encourages a, a sort of um, lynch mob mentality when people pile into unfortunates now on social media. That's when another it, when big it, problem. Yeah, though. when it mm. could be used to such good. I mean, a lot of the information people are being precious about is out there in the public domain. Anyway, it's quite mm. easy to find out where someone yeah. lives and what their name is and things like that. So it's all about using it responsibly and using it for fun and mm. for good, really. But, but I mean, that doesn't matter. This, this story and is not trying to warn us of a real, genuine potential danger. It's just using... He's coming up with a funny science fiction idea based on it. Mm. And Doctor Who wouldn't be the place to talk about cyberbullying or, indeed, election rigging. That's the sort of thing that Charlie Brooker is better off discussing in Black Mirror, isn't it? At mm. length, again and again and again. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the, the, the Lenny Henry character, or, or the way, the way he, I guess he chose to play it, he's, it, it would be very easy to be a scenery tour, but he went mm. in, in the opposite mm. um, direction with that. And he was he was very minimalist for you know quite realistic with his performance we, when you got the showdown between him and um Jodie Whittaker towards the end of episode one you know you kind of felt that his portrayal was 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 kind of more still and more menacing and she was the one who was if anything had a slightly heightened performance in, mm. in, in that um standoff I mean, I mean the other thing I have to say about Lenny Henry is I, I, I hope I look that good in my 60s he's <laughs> in, in, in great it's shape far too old to be playing that character <laughs> well I guess yeah. that's the, yes it was more channeling it was more Zuckerberg than it was um, Elon Musk in that regard I guess um, I think yeah. I'm, I'm pleased about that I mean I, I was mulling over all the way through whether he was miscast because he's a good actor but he's very he always he tends to underplay doesn't he you can't that's imagine you can't, ima- you can't imagine Lenny Henry killing his mum could you hmm. <laughs> no no there is but that. often in these programs when we get that sort of character they tend to end up being overplayed don't they and I would much hmm. rather have hmm. <laughs> have Lenny do yes I guess when taking, he, when he taking plays... it seriously than 
than Trigger mm. in the um, yeah, yeah. Attack of the Cybermen. Yes, yeah. And it's very... Um, and, and the other thing is um, some of that must be, you know, a, either directorial choice or... But the thing was, because because you had this two-villain format, which is rather rather unique, really. I can't really mm-hmm. think of anything on OK Yet. I guess you had the Master and the Rani at times. Um, you know, but that that was more of a scenery-chewing competition and and a bit, mm. bit of a bitch fest um, that they'd be up against each other as much as they were, you know, as much as they were sometimes allies. And otherwise you tended to have the master working for some, you know, working in conjunction with some aliens who he was, yeah. you know, who were looking to double cross each other. And I think in this case, it's rather unique that you had the master and Barton apparently working in, in sync and um, you then needed, you needed very two very different performances. In that mm. in that regard, I think it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked in in that case. He had to be, you know, like the still, the still one, yeah, just to just to give a tonal difference from, from uh, from the master from Sasha Darwin's master. Mm. Even though, um, yeah, even though they didn't share all that much direct screen time with each other, there was. Um, so and I think that's that's another reason why why it made sense for him to him to have it quite dialed down and still, as you say. Hmm. I guess the sixty four thousand dollar question with a lot of this, and it's it's tricky because it's one of those things that we were um, were rather left expect anticipating anticipating loose ends being tied up last year, weren't we? There were quite a lot of stories where, yep, if yep. you think, if you think we thought, oh, Chris North is, you know, surely Chris North's character is going to come back, or whatever. Mm. But you know, and there's there's certainly a, part, it's tickling away at the back of my, at the back of my head, thinking, well, Barton's bound to come. You know, surely we haven't seen the last of him, in some. I, f- I was wondering if I just wasn't paying attention because I was, um, I was being like a hyperactive teenager and looking at my phone while I was watching it. But what? happened to him his last as i recall his his last scene in that is after it all yeah you know, after after it fails he he sort of you know speaks into a speaks into his phone or whatever and says yeah get me an extraction team now or something yeah. like that and ah. disappears out the door yeah oh right well in that case i should bloody well hope so because mm. <laughs> so, that's um so he doesn't the loose, get the loose ends with the trump character were Deliberate, mm. even if they were baffling to most viewers, whereas mm. that that would be less so unless there had been a deleted scene. Mm. So yes, and whether or not we're going to see the um, Kasabian, Kasavim, Kasav, them, <laughs> them again, um, will be an interesting question. I well, something's going to come back. Something from this story will come back in the season finale. The question is, will it be mm. Lenny Henry, the Master? Kasabian, mm. or some combination thereof. Or, or all of them. Let's mm. place our bets. And and viewers, <laughs> listeners at home, if you could yeah, uh, yeah. tweet us, A, B, mm. or C, don't. <laughs> can, Please do. Can we have, um, can we have uh, Noor and Ada as well? <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, if this is Moffat, they'll turn up. In, yeah, yeah. Was, mm. well, we're getting the band back together. Jury. And Hugh Bonneville as the pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say one other thing I particularly liked about um, the approach. In episode one, I really felt I liked, it, and it sort of it reminded me of very, you know, very old school Who, in some ways, in that 
just it was nice that there was stuff going on and you didn't actually and it was weird stuff you know it was visually weird it was disorienting mm. disorienting you know all the stuff in the 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 realm of the Kasabian and it was nice that you didn't actually understand what was going on mm. and I liked I liked that and I, I liked that you know when Doctor Who has the time and the luxury to to actually do that and that's really a throwback to you know when was the last time we really had stuff like that I mean it's, it's kind of it's a it's a classic Hartnell thing where you know where they throw in where the first episode is often some some very weird things and you're really less struggling to figure out what's going on it's it's a structure that's kind of unique to New Who because when you have a longer story like this you get more ideas mm. and but they're not in, in long stories in the old series they tend to be more linear and and resolve bits of the mystery as the story's going along mm. and have new mysteries. Whereas here we have overlapping mysteries, which yeah. is why, uh, for better or for worse, we end up explaining everything at the end after... Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, do, do we even know the structure of this series? How many more two-parts are we going no, to get? Or? No. Oh, that's fun. I believe there has, been a, there has been a reference to two-parters, plural, mm. at some point. Yeah. So whether The or next not... one, I think, is a standalone. Mm. So far as I'm not, I'm not even sure who if we know who's writing which episodes, but the, I guess the no. I guess the smart money would be on Chibnall writing nine and ten now, which I think is his his remaining. He's doing four of the series proper, okay. and I guess you know we've got six other authors. So unless there's some co-authoring going on or or whatever, I guess we might expect six single parts and maybe a two-parter mm. at the end. But but it is quite nice not to know. So that's one of those places where you do have um, the way Chibnall handles the publicity or the lack of it for the production process mm. is, you know, <laughs> is sometimes quite nice, and it makes all the more sense of the fact that um, that we got the sort of announcement and the and the trumpeting of Stephen Fry and Lenny Henry in advance of this one because they were hiding because they they yes. pretty much managed to hide yes. Sasha Darwin Very from good. view and um, and mm. give us a complete, you know. And I guess the first thing, you know, the first shot of O from from behind on the, you know, on the porch of the hut, I believe it was, was yeah. If you you just the way that was staged, you thought, okay, it's a, it's got to be a name actor. And they thought, oh, it's Sasha Darwin. Oh, good. Mm. And then yeah, and then you thought, oh, hang well, on. thinking, oh, well, he'll be the funny guest character. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked everything about the Masters Tardis. I liked the fact that it was there at all mm. because I gather we haven't seen it since the 1980s which mm. is hilarious <laughs> and suddenly he's got his back again mm. and it's not just the doctor's painted black yes for a mm. <laughs> shame and I, I did love the scene of it flying through the vortex where it looked yes. like the, the house in the Wizard of Oz yes that was a delightful yeah that was an unexpectedly whimsical little mm. visual detail which um, I wonder whose idea that was yeah and flying through, yeah, flying through the Chibnall, air and flying through the vortex Hmm. Well, if I get the impression. One other thing on the on the mystery thing before we move on to another thing that that I liked about it. But um, on the mystery side, I did like the fact that the Kasabian. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's stuck now. I can't think of what the real name is anyway. But I did like the fact we didn't get the. And here's what they really looked like. Oh, reveal. Yeah, yeah. The fact yeah. they remained these these blazes blazes of light. It's reminded me a lot of was... the Cybermen from Doom, whatever it's called. Yeah, yes, Doom, yeah. yeah. And so obviously my oh, mind was thinking. Well, you either think are they are they hiding a are they hiding a known alien behind there, 
Mm. Uh, maybe yeah, who knows if they if they come back, maybe maybe it'll turn out they are. Mm. But but I did I did like that. Now, are we going to talk about all this Gallifrey business, or because we're supposed to be comparing this to Claws of Axos, are we going to leave that because it's more about the series as a whole? Of I course, mean, we're going to talk about it. Yes, <laughs> I think we're going to. We'd be daft not to. Um, What's going on? Well, What's going on, Giles? I don't. I, I don't know. But the other, the other thing I was going to say that I did like, and when you when you said, oh, you know, the the sort of uh, Russell T. Ian whimsy of the um of the flying TARDIS, the flying shed. I did. I did like. It felt to me like um across this, like Chibnall had maybe, yeah, you know, it's maybe maybe it's all been a game plan of okay, we have to do the first series, and it, and it worked. It worked for Russell T. To to be honest, you know, having to do the. The first series, like straight as a, you know, with very minimal, you know, very minimal references to continuity and stuff, but it did feel mm. like, to me, it just felt like Chibnall had relaxed a bit more, and wasn't wasn't so worried about being a bit self-referential, and you know, showing off some of his Who fan mm. credentials, mm. Um, not only in you know directly addressing the Gallifrey elephant in the room, but also you know mm. stuff like the. You know, and that that scene, you know, we we've phrased it already, but that scene on top of the Eiffel Tower, um, it has some gorgeous, you know, gorgeous little references thrown in there, mm. and handled lightly enough, I think, to not put off the casual, to not put off the casual viewer, mm. and there, there were just, you know, there were, there were things throughout that sort of, you know, referenced little bits of lore introduced by Russell T and. And Moffat as well, like the um, like the Morse signal, the sound, mm. the sound of the sound of drums, and the mind wipe thing at the end, with regard to the you know stolen Earth, and and indeed contact. I mean, for heaven's sake, yeah. From um, we didn't <laughs> know they could do t- time lord to time lord, but I suppose it makes sense if you do it doctor to doctor. So that was yeah. I it, was, it just felt like it was he was somewhat more relaxed about about. Waving some of these things around and having a bit more fun with it than, than maybe yeah you know, than maybe last year. Yeah, yeah. Although perhaps it, it seemed a little bit like he'd gone from naught to eleven. Mm. You know, the the, the the dial had gone from one end of the scale to the other without very much in between. But yeah, no, I I, mm. I, I agree, and, and I think it was um, as you say until the Gallifrey thing happened. Mm. Most of the references seemed to be fairly. Um, Low key and the sort of thing you could appreciate, but it didn't really make a big difference mm. in the plot if you didn't. Yes, and then as you say, the Gallifrey thing happened. So yeah, what 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 do we think of it? It's, what are our... Simon Gallifrey? What do you think? I I need a bit of help with Gallifrey because I've I've lost track of whether when it's been destroyed <laughs> and <laughs> mm. I think time time wars and everything. <laughs> so that that completely. That, I, I, th- I oh, keep saying I thoroughly enjoyed it, but that it's that threw me. All the it information is there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that completely threw me. So I need some help here, guys. Have you, is this yeah. because you've wiped hell hell bent out of your <laughs> memory? Gosh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't blame you for. So, but you must remember it. the results of the fiftieth uh, special. Yeah. And if you didn't, you should have listened to yeah. our <laughs> podcast on the subject. Well, I mean, this this I mean, the story so far, Simon, is very simple. But the Gallifrey uh, has been wiped from existence. Um, in uh, in series one, and then it comes back in series three, but then it gets blown up again by, <laughs> and then it, it uh, by the master, and then it disappears for a bit, 
and then <laughs> um, it turns out that uh, it wasn't in... really blown up in before series Indeed. one. No, it was it, 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 it was hiding. Just an illusion. It was it's hiding. I'm in nearby. Um... And, mm. and and they give the Doctor a whole new re- regeneration cycle, whilst disappearing off into a into a bubble universe mm. behind a wall of diamonds, which Capaldi then punches <laughs> out. You know, one I day lo- at I... a time for three billion years. I admire the clarity and brevity with which you're explaining this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then he tumbles through into Gallifrey. And stuff happens. <laughs> I just can't quite remember what, what did happen in Hell Bent in terms of basically it was here, then it wasn't, then it was here, then it wasn't, then it was here, then it wasn't. Yeah. But I, lo- I like, I like the fact that we clarified that it was still oh, in, in its it, pocket universe. And if you read the book, it was here, then it wasn't. Hmm. <laughs> yes, they did. I'm glad they still mentioned that. Yeah, because I, yeah, yeah. I, I, my... I was thoroughly confused by by the Heaven Sent Hell Bent thing about. I was thinking, hang on, so is it back back? As in this universe, in which case, why isn't it? Yeah, no, they. Well, it immediately Moffat, ground zero for, yeah. Moffat left it. Um, I thought he left it in a very sensible place for future mm. showrunners because it yeah. was it existed, which so he had, mm. uh, which he thought was obviously thought was important. It's just a toy yeah. you can play with if you want to, but it's, <laughs> but it's not in the sandpit. It's yeah. hiding in another dimension. Note, mm. not yeah. n- not another universe, another dimension. Mm-hmm. Because back then we didn't have all these other universes that we have now, right? Yeah. So you know there was no need for anybody to blow it up again because no. you, it just it didn't have to be there. The time lords don't interfere with things; they're mm-hmm. hiding somewhere else. So you can just ignore it. So that's why I'm going to nail my cast to the mast now. I hope there's going to be a, a, a twist here, and it's not gone again. Not just because <laughs> I think there should be Gallifrey and time lords, because although although they've mostly been crap. Over the years, <laughs> I still think I want them to still be there for the because there's potential. Yeah. I want, and I think it's. I'm not going to say a lazy plot device, but there, there does seem mm. to be this tendency for people to want to get rid of it for some reason because they think yeah. it'll help the character of the Doctor because they thought the time was rubbish. Well, don't show them then. You don't have to get rid of them. You just don't go there. Mm. Yeah. And it, does it really make the Doctor more interesting when he's the last of the time? Well, anyway, they did it in the books. Mm, they yeah. got rid of it because they thought it was essential for the character of the Doctor that he'd be on his own. And then then they brought it back again. Yeah. It, then he brought... Uh, what, no, what did happen? Did oh, they had to do with Luke? They, hilariously, when the new series came... <laughs> it, it was completely destroyed Gallifrey in the books in the, right. in the 2000s. Yeah. And then when the new series came back and it was revealed very early on that Gallifrey had been destroyed in Time War, the books, which were still running at this point, had to then bring it back so that it could be destroyed in the time oh, war. Oh, fantastic. Which is, yeah, yeah. Which is good. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, Russell did it for whatever reason, and it was, it was very important. For four years mm. of the show, it was very important. It, and to the doc- it genuinely was important to the Doctor's character. Mm. Moffat, for what, I don't know why, because he's an old softy, or because he wanted to do... Cause, I mean, he didn't bring back Gallifrey and Tunnels because he wanted to use them every other week, mm. because he didn't. But for whatever reason, he brought them back again. So I mm. think if Chibnall's only done this because his version of, Doct- of Doctor Who is a version which doesn't have any need for Time Balls and Gallifrey, well, as I say, he could have just ignored it. He didn't need to blow mm. it up again. Yeah. So that's why I'm hoping there's more to this. Because so I mean, be, um, and importantly, it does undermine some very lovely stuff in the 50th anniversary special. Yeah. And it's mm. such a win for the Doctor to find that he's not just saved Gallifrey and ended mm. the t- but also... 
saved himself mm. from. Yeah, but then doesn't money. doesn't um, didn't hell bent heaven sent. Uh, which which which, yeah, which order is it? Didn't is it hell bent? Is hell bent is the last episode. It's the Gallifrey yeah. episode, isn't it? But, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't that rather anymore. undermine? Didn't that yes, it, rather it, undermine it anyway by suddenly having did, okay Vastlon's were... back and. He's and, a bastard. Yeah. He's a bastard again. Yes, mm. and um, and everything's run by. Yeah, I don't know what that was all about, but again, mm. he left it. Yeah, mm. I can't remember how he left it, but they were still there. They were. Yes. They were. Yeah. They, Clara disappeared off with um, with her mate in the diner, mm. and the doctor disappeared off in his direction, and um, mm. the Gallifrey was just kind of there, but not there. Yeah. Mm. So it remains to be seen. I can't make mm. any judgments because yeah. we don't know what. Uh, storyline this is in service of mm, and it is yeah. quite intriguing it's actually genuinely i mean uh, last year when we got that one liner about the nightmare mm, child mm, i mm. metaphorically rolled my eyes because it seemed <laughs> that he'd just thrown in this russell t davisy type piece of mm. baffle gab to create some some cheap mystery and it wasn't even you know, followed through on it but this mm. this has got me intrigued mm. and it, it takes a lot to get me intrigued Cartmel-esque, doesn't it? You know, it, it, it's this this you know mm. mystery at the, well, it's the, the dawn of time. Dawn of Ganifrian civilization. Yeah. I feel like it's going to have to be something big, mm. and if it isn't, it's going <laughs> to be a massive cop out. But mm. I don't really see how you can mm. how it can not be something important. But I, I quite like that, and I, I quite like the, the idea that the, you know, I I don't mind, although it's yes, and it 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 awaits to be seen quite what the what the implications of, you know, Gallifrey having been trashed again mm. are in terms of, okay, you know, okay, we saw the capital in ruins, but, but is it, is it devastation on the, yeah is it devastation on the level of what we thought happened in the time war, or are there, are there refugees, are there people well, in the rubble? Yeah, well, then, uh, the it's, ma- it's the a planet, isn't it? It's a planet, not just a city. Sorry, the, ma- the master said, it's been destroyed, everyone's dead. Mm. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, he said, oh, by the way, it was me that destroyed it. So if yeah. everyone... He's telling the truth about... Mm. He's telling the truth about it being destroyed. If he was telling the truth about everyone being dead, you'd think he would know mm. because he was there and did it. The, the thing about the time war was a lot of fans were in denial back in the early days and were saying, oh, maybe there are still some Time Lords alive. Mm. Maybe we can still see mm. Susan and Romana. Mm. And Russell had to tie that up and say... Well, and have yeah. doctor say, no, there's no one else. So I could, I'd mm. feel yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, um, they're, they're they're all dead, Dave. So <laughs> you know, well, we're going to be in exactly the same position. They, there could be lots of any interesting time lords we want to meet. Yeah. Could well, be out there. The thing, I, I quite like the yeah, I, I quite like the potentiality of a different approach would be to have refugees or people trying to rebuild the hmm. rebuild the civilization, as it were. Hmm. Um, oh, oh, yeah, we could be in a Thor Ragnarok situation with new Asgard mm, in Scandinavia. For all, yes. you, for all you Marvel fans, that's just mm. that's just me, isn't it? I do remember someone's fantastic idea at some point about how to about resolving everything. Like the sudden, yeah, you know, I, I can't remember. It was just it was just fan fiction or someone someone fantasy, fan fantasy more than anything. But someone just saying, oh, you know, you just have an every, everyday street on Earth, and suddenly everyone's flipping open fob watchers. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> That's nice. And it turns right. out that so, a large proportion of Earth has been, you know, had been, fo- you know, fob watch time lords. If mm-hmm. um, well, if yeah, I mean, if he is inspired by that kind of storytelling, yeah. That's a way to go, but I don't. I'm not convinced he is. No, I don't no. think. I don't think we're supposed to be thinking. Oh my God, where are the time lords? Mm. We're supposed to be thinking. Oh my God, what's this big secret? Yeah, 
yeah. that the villain's master has yeah. uncovered. Mm. So yeah, uh, which yeah. I indeed I am. Yes. Yeah. Because I've given up the hope of seeing Romana and Susan and mm. Andred and um, <laughs> Chancellor <laughs> Thalia, Chancellor Flavia, uh, Rodan. Rodan, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Councillor <Yeah>. Heddin. <laughs> I'll stop. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. He was, he was lasered in, Chancellor in, in the uh, mm. uh, Ark of Infinity along with... Um, yeah, uh, the Castellan, the the, F in the five doctors. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, for for me, I quite like the, the 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 mystery. I mean, I am frustrated, as you say, by the fact that Gallifrey's gone again. You know, it's a bit like RTD with the Daleks. You know, they they turn <laughs> up and then he kill every last one, and mm. then oh, but there's these ones. Oh, then we've killed all those. Oh, wait a minute, we've we turned all the humans to dark. No, we killed them as well. It, 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 it's a little bit too extreme. It'd be, it would make more sense if if uh, if you defeated them without having to kill every last That's one. Mm. Doctor Who is serious storytelling and everybody approaches it as if it isn't hmm. yeah. they do big momentous defining things that can't be reversed and then yeah. knowing that they're going to be reversed maybe that's the point yeah. of it mm-hmm. so so i think our if our listeners are going to hear anything about claws of action yes oh, probably, Lord, we yes. probably need to um have maybe you know two or three more uh, minutes of this and any other things we haven't yet oh, discussed. I was going to say then, we probably need not on. to have two. Of, I was going to say we need to have two or three minutes less. Yeah, yeah. But that ship has sailed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, for, for, for me, ear jewellery seems to be a thing. Um, the Doctor suddenly has uh, a massive amount of ear furniture, and so does Yaz. Oh, does she? I didn't. I, I didn't. I, sorry, the Doctor, and I didn't actually notice. But yeah, yeah. Oh. No, no. It was, it was it was gold all over yeah, the place. Okay. More than last year. Don't know why. Mm. Oh, there we go. She had a thing in their ear last year, didn't she? Is it? Is there more? I don't know. Oh, uh, I, I just I noticed it. Is it new for Yaz? Maybe Yaz is copying the Doctor. She does fancy her after all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, last year it was certainly floated that um, floated that that had some special significance. The Doctor's the Doctor's earring thing, right? But mm. we never got to see what it was. Oh. Mm. Simon, final thought. No, I've got to. I've got to rewatch it now. Look at the earrings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, very good. Can uh, you go I through believe. that? Can you go through that Gallifrey explanation again? Richard? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah, listen yeah, to yeah, it on the podcast. If, if, you, oh. if you've got another fifty minutes, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Don't forget, um, kids. If you want to find out what happened to Ada Lovelace next, by the Enchantress of Numbers, available now. <laughs> big finish. By Simon Barnard and Paul Morris. Yeah. Are we on commission for uh, that? <laughs> uh, 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 available in all good bookshops mm. or, or whatever, and a few bad ones too. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how brilliant is it to snoop in the offices of a data company? That's the only other thought I had about that first episode. You know, the, 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 you'd, you'd think perhaps that he, he might have a little bit more security than it turns out that he's got. Mm. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, there was a good, yeah. I've got, yeah. <laughs> I did. Like, I did actually. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure whether to make this a compliment or a criticism. I like the bit where they're hiding around the sofa, and you think, and he says, "I know you're there," but it turns out he's talking to the aliens. Mm. That's, yeah, a nice, that's true. That's always a nice moment. Yeah, that was a, that was a nice moment. Mm. But I think nice it was. Moment. I remember thinking. I didn't make a note of exactly why. But I think it was, I thought it was directed badly, and I, and there was another one in the second episode where I thought would have had more mm. tension with the Nazis. Mm. Oh, never mind. Well, I tell you what. You can you, you can think about that, and then we, you can give us a blog post about it. Mm. No, <laughs> just, I'll, 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 well, you're making a note about that now. That's yes, um, I'm actually drawing a drawing a cobweb. <laughs> One very minor thing about that um that scene, the interview scene with Lenny Henry, I did like. Mm. I just got a 
slight chuckle of satisfaction at the fact that you know when they released because that was the previous scene that they released onto the web into the wild didn't they and people saw it and lots of people immediately said well why is you know so why is he only checking who they are when they're in the you know when they're starting the interview that's completely unrealistic mm. what's that and you know it's always nice when you see the the fan tendency to leap to conclusions and think mm-hmm. they think mm. they're seeing the whole thing you know slightly undermined and see that there was a very good reason for that particular thing and yeah. the only other thing I was going to say, which uh, isn't original to me, my pal Ian, who I had a lunch with and exchanged a few ideas with before, pointed it out. But he said it was actually quite interesting that how much of the stuff that we saw in the trailer turned out to be in this one episode, because there were um, yeah. because yeah, there were so many um so many different scenarios within it. So we've had you know we know even less about. <laughs> We know even less about the rest of the series than we did on. Than we thought we did. Than we did on, um, yeah, New Year's Eve. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, I think I think we better move on to claws. I think we have. Yep, the claws are calling. Brigadier, come quickly! I I say it looks like a rather plump fellow with an unruly mop of golden hair. Well, gentlemen, that's your enemy. Our worlds are unaccountable light-years away in terms of breeding and privilege. Our governmental system has been crippled by extreme partisan activity. Brexos is all that remains of our culture. As you can see, our politics, unlike yours, has taken an organic path. This manifesto was not built for our journey. It was grown. What? Yes, grown. From a single idea whose capital is all but exhausted, we would like to stay until our electoral cycles have been fully replenished. In return, according to your custom, we offer a gift, a payment. What on earth is that? Brexonite. Yes, certainly something lends an ite. Hey, hey you! Shh! Mm, that'll be it. Brexonite can absorb, convert, transmit and programme all forms of debate. Even Parliament? Why, then, were you crippled by SO24? It was already too late. Perhaps you could explain just what it is, what it does. My report, you understand. Brexonite is a thinking molecule. It uses the energy it absorbs to misdirect and mislead. Could you explain to us the principle of Brexonite? It, it, it would be simpler for me to demonstrate Brexonite. I, I, I presume you need more hospitals and nurses? Yes, I suppose we do. Well, Brexonite takes the plans for the refurbishment of six hospitals and turns them into 40 new ones. It can turn 31,000 nurses into 50,000. That's extraordinary. The process is, of course, reversible. After an election. It's incredible. Unlimited popularity. And unlimited power. We must have it. Simon, thoughts about Claws? Claws of Axos. I think this is a much overlooked gem in the eighth season. I'd read the Target novel, and then, of course, you have to wait a long time before it came out on, on VHS and then DVD. And, yes, I thoroughly enjoyed the novel, but I'd never really seen any pictures of it. I'd never seen mm. any clips on television or anything. So 
to see that organic spacecraft in the interior for the first time and some of the special effects to think that was back in 1971 I, I, I think that's fantastic and I think it's a great unit story as well because everybody gets involved and mm. again it's a really strong um, master story as well mm. so mm. I, I, I loved rewatching it again over the weekend I really really enjoyed it mm. it, it was a nice Nice story again to see a huffing and puffing and blundering civil servant. We're mm-hmm. all about to have Brexit unleashed on us as well, so it felt mm. topical as well watching it. Mm. Um, I can't remember the name of the character, but one of the lead scientists at the Newton Power Complex, he reminded me an awful lot of Graham Garden in The Goodies. Mm-hmm. And I kept I kept expecting the canned <laughs> laughter all the time every time he came on screen. That was That was funny. But um, no, I I I love the accents. I think I think that's a clause of access. I think that's a, and it's a wonderful story. And I love the. I know you can pick faults in it because it's dated a bit, but I think the, the special effects in that were real state of the art back then, and they still hold up reasonably well now. So yeah, it was lovely dipping back into that again. We mentioned when we talked about three doctors um, for our anniversary special that. Um, you know, often uh, a Baker and Martin story, you know, overreaches, and, I, and and there's certainly aspects of that about about this story. But um, I have to say, I, I I wasn't a big fan of it the first time I saw it. I, I mean, like you, Simon, I read the book and, and and I liked that. I was a bit disappointed, I think, the first time I saw it um, on VHS. But watching it again now, um, I, I I I could have reappraised it. I thought, you know, yeah, yes, it's overreaching in places, but but there's some there's some lovely stuff in there, particularly. Delgado, Pertwee seems in a in a bad mood a lot of the time, but <laughs> you know it. it, it um, it, you know, it's nice. It's a nice unit story. You get plenty of Yates and uh, and Benton, and um, yeah. Do you no, think I, you're I disappointed by comparison with the novel, or be, or with other season eight story? You know, other Pertwees that you'd seen by the time you finally saw it. Can you remember? Well, I, I mean, Spearhead is so good. I think that that may, maybe that's that's a thing. I mean, it. it 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 you know it does have that kind of video CSO you know slightly duff scenes here and there because of that but you 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 you've just got, I think you just got to put that out, out of your mind really. I mean I, I was blathering on last time we talked talked about this um, when it was completely off topic about how it's a slightly unusual Pertwee story because it's seems to be halfway between a unit and a, and rather more esoteric monster based four parters you know what I mean I, mm. I think I was rambling on about how the most of the unit stories are six or seven parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And they have... And something about that length seems to encourage them to adopt a very gritty, real tone. And even in the slightly, in commas, dumbed-down, family-friendly unit of Season 8 that we introduced in Season 8, everything seems a bit more colourful and cartoonish, like Chin compared to the serious-minded bureaucrats that we get Mm. in Season 7. Apologies for going through all that again. But... That fits with the it, the whole thing fits the yeah. if, if those aspects are like are presented that way here because that fits with Axos. It is everything is colourful, mm. and the story is told at a slightly faster clip than a lot of normal unit stories because it's we, we don't really need lots of long discussions about military tactics. It's a science fiction story. There's a race against time. It's it's got more in common with. Yeah, more we come basically with most other eras, I think, than if if you take away the trappings. Mm. Yeah, it has a it has a, like like a lot of the new stories. It 
Axos has a has a global threat as well when they set, start to send Axonite all around yeah. the world and there's an undignified scrabble between all the countries to get their hands mm. on it. And then the the, the tie in with um, Spyfall was just because it had the the spy, the CIA <laughs> guy doing a cameo in it pretty much. Um, Bill Filer. Yeah. In his in his state with his state of the art stereo in his great big American car. <laughs> We should probably talk about him. I, I, I've made a note that if, if this is Bondish talk, because I mean, Spyfall is um, mostly a Bond pastiche, isn't it? The, vis- yeah. the visuals and the trappings certainly, all come from the there. First episode, if yeah. this is Bondish, it's I think it's Pertwee as Bond, and Bill Filer, his American friend, is is Felix Leiter. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. Think. Hmm. Everyone expects Bill Filer to be very glamorous and um, and transatlantic. And Joe certainly thinks he is. She, she's very taken yeah. with him, isn't she? Is she? Yeah. I it's think he's probably more... It's the, side, more it's the sideburns, I think, again. Yeah, yeah. He probably suffers from the same problem that Felix does. You know, he's the hero of his own stories back when he's uh, on <laughs> on US soil. But once he comes over here, he's the, yeah. just a psychic to some limey. Yeah, yeah. And Paul <laughs> Bill has the same problem. He, I mean, he does rather better than some of the other characters. I mean, he, there's, there's several occasions when he could just peg out mm. um, but but they sort of keep bringing him back they obviously like him as a character mm. we do get to, we have the Kaganita because we get, we get to see him die don't we doesn't his duplicate melt in quite an unpleasant yes. way yes that's yes, true and turns into an axon yeah yeah so there you go as, as I blathered on about last time it's it's fun because it's it's like every other Baker and Martin story but I think one thing it has that they don't all have I think it has a faster pace and as I said last time, I'm sure it was originally pitched as a six-parter and got cut down. I'm sh- I, I've had plenty of time to research that since I last made that outrageous claim, and I still haven't checked. But I think I think you can tell. Do you think you can tell? I don't think you'd put that many ideas in. The alternative is that they threw that many ideas into this four-part story because they were, it was their first and they were trying to make a good mm. impression, which is also possible. I think Terence Dix was on record as saying something of the sort. Mm. I can't imagine watching this for, for six episodes, I think. You can't? <laughs> In I what think, sense? I, well, I, do, I, I just, I, I feel like... Have you seen how... how <laughs> well, they stretch out thinner ideas than this to so much greater <laughs> length. There's only, yeah. so many, there's only so many times people can dive out the front of the spaceship yeah. into that shingle, isn't there? Mm, yeah, yeah, about 14 in most films. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I love Ambassadors of Death, um, you know, which, which is very strung out over seven episodes, but, it, but it's played in a more realistic palette so yes. that yeah. you know, it, it sort of oh, okay. it, it feels like it can sustain it, whereas this is, this is broader. I, I don't know. I, when I when like given it's... this treatment, these ideas are perfect for four episodes. Yeah, There's yeah. a version of it where yeah, the yeah. same no, ideas okay. stretch to six and it's treated a bit differently. I agree. But um, yeah, yeah. I, have, I have no faith that that's any better. Sorry, not any better. Better, because this is good. Hmm. Yes. One thing I was going to say about was, um, you can tell this is um, you can tell that by the time they wrote this, Bob and Dave has um, seen the start of um, yeah, at least at the start of series seven, season seven, because um, because they quite clearly they nick they nick some some of the bits of the set of Spearhead from Space wholesale, don't they? They do, and they some yeah. of the bits that were also nicked from Quatermass two or whichever one it is in the first place. The radar, 
meteor, you know, the, the um, incoming UFO, whatever, you know, radar station. The whole thing yeah. is, um, the whole thing, at least the first couple of shots are more or less shot for shot, a, um, a remount of Spearhead. Mm. There's some quite good science in it to start off with, and then it all goes a bit to pot when it when it comes to the reactor, which, you know, as, mm. as, as an ex-nuclear engineer, they, they don't really understand how... Um, um, nuclear power stations work. No. Uh, to them, the nuclear power is is their uh, their static electricity. To yeah, yeah. Better, isn't it? I agree. It can just yes. do whatever it needs. Yeah. The story needs it to do. Mm. But um, but I mean the particle acceleration thing. There's, there seems to be some sense in that. Mm. And I mean a, I mean axonite itself. I mean it 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 it, it, um, it doesn't bear much um, thought. But you know within its within its um, conceit it seems reasonable that didn't seem wise did it trying to um, disassemble a particle accelerator using a screwdriver wearing <laughs> oven gloves that didn't seem the best idea there's anything sillier in this than there is in Inferno which is often lauded as one of the most taut no, mm. gripping thrillers I agree yes. green slime from the centre of the earth Turns you into yeah, a well, yeah. into a joke shop werewolf. Yes, I'd rather, yeah. rather, rather, rather have this to be perfectly honest. But anyway, yeah, well, I mean, you've, enough you've of my the, strange predilections. You've got the Tardis in bits in both of them as well, um, mm. as well as as in Spyfall at the start as well. So there you go. Mm. Mm. Maybe premature to talk about links, but um, oh, it is, isn't it? I mean, other, other deodorants it, are available. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, as we. Uh, if the only link between the two stories was spies, it would be thin stuff indeed. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've said it's been alleged that these spies in Spyfall are fairly superficial, but here mm. it's just Bill Filer, and it's it's not in any sense a spy story. There's no, mm. they've just taken a spy from a different story, a different genre, and, and bunged him down yeah. here for mm. a bit of colour. Yes, and um, it's surprising Filer didn't come back in another Bob Baker and Dave Martin. You'd think they'd have pitched. Yeah, it almost feels like. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like Johnny Seven. And he's feels like they're pitching for, for spin-off. <laughs> but Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. It's, hmm. it's a month or two since I've seen it. But he's his only interest is in the master. Sorry, that he's the master at the stage, isn't he? The master. <laughs> he's, he's he's an interest in the master. He's not. He, he doesn't really get involved in the negotiations about Axos, does he? On behalf of the U.S. government. No, no he's no. been sent over by the CIA to to find the master. Mm. But but without having looked at a photograph of him first, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling it to bits. I love this story, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> I do, yeah. I do. I do like the stuff with um, considering it's cartoon. You know, considering we're dealing with quite somewhat cartoonish season eight stuff, I do quite like the realpolitik side of it. In that yeah. a lot of it hinges on the British government being. Mm. If you if you look behind the bluster, you know, the, the British government being um. Being pretty um, selfish, and you know they're taking yes. advantage of that. It, and, it, it, it's very you know, Brexit. Uh, yes, it? exactly. I mean, Chin's you know the the whole thing in that first scene with Pertwee about you know England for the English and all of that. Hmm. You know, that, and him having a go at go at all of that, and then yeah, and then all the all the stuff with whether hmm. or not they go yes. to let Axonite out, or whether they see it as the key to them. Yeah. Yes. Rebuilding the British. I have a duty rebuilding to the my British country. Empire, yes. yes. <laughs> I think it's a good. Yeah, I know it's a trite thing to say that it's obviously a parable about greed. I guess in the same way. You know, yes. In yes. the um, and it wouldn't work if the um, 
yeah, and that's how the axons get their thing, get their. Yeah, so mm. so so Chin is the is the you know I have a duty to my country and Pertwee not mm. to the world. Well, there's a there's a parallel again with Spyfall, isn't it, with people's eagerness to get their hands on um, gadgets and technology that gobble mm. up data. Yes. Mm. So there's an undignified scramble in both, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Yes, it's surprising that if yeah, it's surprising Chin doesn't come a cropper really, does it? At the end, no, it, it no, that, really that... gets a. Well, there's nice people from the nuclear reactor. Yeah. Mm. Although, I mean, it is kind of... That's true to life, isn't it? I mean, you Yes, know, yeah. If he's made it this far, he's, pro- he's probably had to go through worse things than mm. that. Yes. <laughs> I think the visuals are the best thing here. They really do justice to the mm. ideas in the script. Mm. Very probably go a lot further. I mean, I think it looks <laughs> extraordinary. I couldn't believe my eyes last time I watched it. Mm. And um, it certainly helps cover up the fact that the um, you know the the surviving materials on which it was recorded are a bit ropey, as with a lot of Pertwee's. Mm. Mm. You know the dodgy colour that comes when you transfer it back from <laughs> an American video, NGSC video. Yeah, sort of only help it here. Mm. Mm. But no, uh, but um, technically, the way that the inside of the Axon spaceship is created is mm. faultless. There's so many things going on that you can't ever really. It's like a Magic trick. There's so many different things mm. to look at. You don't. You never have time to stop and think about how it's being done. So yes, mm. on, in some senses, it's just a lot of CSO and mm. and top of the pops background visuals. Mm. But it's clearly written to be hallucinogenic. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's it's funny, isn't it, that they they reveal the axon monster in the first few seconds of the. Story, yeah, and then they pre- present the kind of yes, uh, yeah, golden. Was... That is that is a mistake, isn't it? Mm. I think it's been famously recognised to be a bizarre decision. Yeah, I, I right. made a note to that effect here, and there's a couple of things like that. Yeah, it, it is odd. I mean, given that, and okay, we don't the, the whole way the whole way it's structured is is odd in that regard that that we have mm. this Trojan Hall story, and yet we see them. You know, the first thing they do they do is do away with that nice pig bin, Josh. The moment yes. after they've landed, and then they kidnap Bill Filer before, um, yes. before, before we really get to see them putting on mm. the, the front, as it were. It's difficult mm. to know what that will be because the mysteries, the unfolding mysteries in season seven, are all written the way you would expect. Mm. They, we yes. are either if we're ahead of the characters we're watching, it's only slightly ahead. We mm. don't get the whole thing yeah. handed to, to us on a plate. Whereas here, I don't know. Maybe it's a sign. We're in a slightly different genre. Mm. Well, it's, this it's, is just a children's program. Maybe it's just a a note. We need more. You know, we need the monsters earlier. Yeah. Maybe it's a white done it rather than a who done it. I don't mm. know. Like Colum- like Columbo. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> maybe, well, maybe not, I, maybe not quite I as good as that. No, it's yeah. not. Mm. It's not. <laughs> and then the um, um uh, you know, also a similarly odd writing decision really is that we have all that stuff with the duplicate, with them making the duplicate, Bill Fire. Yes. After his first attempt at escape, if I remember rightly, mm. and um, and then all the duplicate Bill Fowler does is wander in, try to um, <laughs> kidnap the doctor. If I remember, no, hang on, what does he do? He has a fight with himself. And doesn't and then, to, sorry, doesn't he just wander straight into the nuclear reactions, like fiddling with it? Well, yeah, well he wander, yes, but he wanders in, and yes, but he get, yeah, he wanders in, and he immediately gets, you know, he immediately gives himself away. Yeah, and mm. and then has a fight with himself. 
Um, yeah. And there is no, there's no, it's just bizarre that they, there isn't yeah. even, you know, there, yeah. there is no attempt to actually sustain the idea of why yeah. they created a duplicate. So, um, in the seven, in the seven part version of this, there, there is. <laughs> The bidding war between Britain and America over Axon, yeah. Axonize, and he's representing the American interests, and yeah. and they, yeah, and the aliens aren't just uh, mm. being very devious, and yeah, and they, he, they want he, they're they're playing sides off against each other, and they want to, mm. yeah, they want everyone to have Axonite. He's no Sister Lamont, is he, or or, um, or Harry with the pitchfork? Terror <laughs> <laughs> of the Cyclones. But the yeah, the whole um, yeah, and there's, there's just they just don't sustain any tension at all. And then it did, so it just feels like the writers, like the writers put it in, so because they wanted to have a look at like fight, mm. and yet yeah. that is a yeah weird they were so keen to get to the good bit, and yet that's so, a weird thing for writers to you could understand yeah. the, you could understand an over enthusiastic director to think, oh we can do a really good look at that fight, so let's have them produce wow. um, produce a replica. There you go, but mm. yeah. Hmm. Uh, Michael, Michael does, Ferguson does... here, of course. Um, I think this is yes. this is his last. This is last who? I think so. Possibly. Yeah, I think it's so. so. Yeah, it's interesting. Something as got... psychedelic and with as much CSO as this, it wasn't Barry Letts. But True. I think he actually makes and a better fist of it. Yeah. Than, you know, rather than using it for people's kitchens, mm. we actually get it being deployed for the yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And he was no, no stranger to the phone machine, uh, yeah, yeah. having done Seeds of Death. But True. other than that... There's some beautiful shots on film, aren't there, in, in this? Hmm. Yeah, so you know, similarly to the to the uh, ice warrior out on the common, you get mm. the the axons lit from behind. You get you get that nice scene of going back through the windows into the uh, Dungeness power station. Mm, yes, so you sort of yeah. see um, stuff going on inside mm. from outside. It, it it is nicely directed in places, and yet uh, then it's a completely different feeling when you get into the studio. Mm. Stuff. You've been down to Dungeness, anyone? I haven't. It's the first it's... time I recognised it on this watching. Maybe I'd right. never. Mm. No, I, I, per- I couldn't believe I'd missed it before. It I, seems so obvious. Yeah. My, my nuclear power stations have all been in the north, um, ah. and uh, Torness. Yeah, I must yeah, say no, I, not... I've forgotten the I've forgotten the seasideness, seasideness of the setting. Mm. As well, can you see? You can see that, can you? Well, it's just the weather that's disguising it, isn't it? Well, um, there's a certain. Yeah, the planes and um, well, Pigpin and Josh's next and boats on the on the seashore mm. when we first see him. Is he in the, right. the, very, yeah. the very first scene? When we... What if Derek Jarman's in the background? It's in his little <laughs> beachfront house. Famous was that too obscure? He famously had a little house down at Dungeon. Yeah, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Talking of the um, Pigpin, is that? Is that Pertwee doing the voice for him? I know, I know it's the stunt. I know it's. I know it's a stunt man who plays the plays the tramp. But it does sound like Pertwee doing one of his funny voices. Yeah. Hmm, true. You put the were after W Enders. You left the were. Exactly. Yes. There's one one thing I need to check. I don't know whether my eyes are playing tricks, but at the beginning of episode four, where Joe gets hysterical because. Mm. Alarms are going off yes. inside the inside access. Does does the doctor slap Joe around the face? Certainly, it certainly looks like it to me. I thought you were going to ask about. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask about her underwear, but um. But no. No. We, we should get a good, another one of them. We should get a good look at as as they um, as they literally escape the claws of Axos. Oh my goodness! In, um, in I think in episode three when um, when things start to go haywire, and he helps her up off the off the floor where they've been where they've been trapped. 
Is that in the really psychedelic scene where they turn the psychedelic up to 11 they're floating axon heads the superimposed yeah, the across slap, the picture? The slap is in... Just yeah. spinning round like mm. pickled in mm. time like gherkins in a jar. <laughs> yes, indeed. And... Um, mm. But yeah, that's like what Anthony. That's like what Anthony Joshua could see mm. lying down on the canvas in his last <laughs> fight. <laughs> I couldn't believe. No. Um, yeah, I, I must say I missed the fact that um, that Pertwee references claws at some point. Yes, he does. Uh, yes. I felt like going. Ha ha! He just said, "Yeah, he's saying the title. Yeah. It's the good bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's the good bit. He said the title." Yeah. <laughs> I like spotting those things. Mm. Yeah. Is this the first time that that Pertwee's hair goes a bit kind of um, granny-like? Mm. <laughs> be, be, because um, you know, I mean, until now he, he's, he's had a perfectly sensible hairstyle. Hasn't it's definitely he? gone up a notch. Up it... <laughs> yeah, and, he, and his first emergence is yeah. Isn't he wearing when he's, he's when he comes into the office? He's he's in full yes. cape and full. Full drag, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's quite different when he when he, when he appears on the film sequences, but in this, yeah, the the the, um, the, uh, <clears throat> the hairdressers have had a go at it, definitely. Mm. <laughs> Possibly slightly related to the to the um, slapping controversy. Uh, it is this this film is a this this episode series is an absolute sausage fest, isn't it? There is no and basically <laughs> basically we've got Joe. We've got one. Right. We've got one scene for Corporal Bell at the start. Yeah. Oh yes, keeping the unit end up, and um, and no other females, and the the mm. silent axon woman, I suppose. How awful that I didn't even spot that. Mm. I guess it's just. Um... And you just think, well, you know, and actually, the thing that made me immediately notice was because I was tuned into the fact that the spearhead rip off at the start, the control room radar scene. Yes. In spearhead. I think it's a woman. Is the is the yes, it is. Is the superior officer of the two? I think, and yes, it does feel rather regressive that we really don't have any other. You think, well, come on, we've had lots of smart female scientists, and you think, okay, you know, given mm. given that we've had, yeah, on the one, once we get worse than the... once we get to Newton, you'd think there'd be a room for someone. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. Has the rest of the series thus far been any better? There. Um, well, Terror. Mind of Evil is um, Mind of Evil is obviously a sausage fest because it's set in Oz prison. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but is there the, anyone in Terror of the Autumn? Apart, apart from Circus, Women in the Circus. Well, no, because hang on, Mind of Evil's got pigs and them and people in. Of oh, course it, it has. Yeah. And, so it um, has. Oh, that's quite good. Yes. And um, my latest marathon is just is is in this series at the moment mm. we're stuck in we've got bogged down in colony in space which is very sausage as you do yes. which is very odd on this alien colony only only, where, only gale from coronation street for yeah <laughs> it's entirely composed of middle-aged men and one young woman mm. no mm. wives it's they're all hiding for the entire story it's very strange <laughs> it's bad enough if it's bad enough if the wives are there but they don't take part in the plot they aren't even there mm. and nobody seems to question this yeah anyway that's the story for another time. Mm. I wonder what we can compare Colony in Space with. Mm. A tin of... A, <laughs> a, wall, a freshly painted wall, perhaps. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that as an exercise for our listener. Mm. <laughs> if, they've, if they've got this far. Mm. Yes, please. Answers on the back of a stuck-down envelope, please. <laughs> but look, look, guys. Mm. Has anyone got anything else to say that's uniquely related to Claws of Axos? 
<laughs> Possibly not uniquely related, but just just um, and it's just a just to sing praise to Roger Delgado and uh-huh. his utter brilliance and um, yeah, as gorgeous as the stuff in the stuff once once he sort of has his you know let let's rip in episodes you know episode three in particular all the stuff with the all the stuff with him tussing over the state the doctor's got the, got his tars yeah, yeah. into and the um and the stuff to do with them yeah the the um, the sticky tape on windows yes the line about you know you can take whatever precautions put some sticky tape on your windows or whatever it is in the event of yes. a nuclear blast it's struck yeah. me as yeah and that's that's only that's it's not only the delivery it's a, it's a very good funny line and you know to yes. you know like Ad- Adamsian to some extent yeah yeah I mean it's it's, it's certainly one of his most charming performances mm, I think yes yeah I think right. he even half half does a stunt in it I mean he's, he's, it looks very much like he's actually on that lorry roof as as they going through the tunnel i mean he's he's clearly not j- dropping down mm. onto it or, or the that's bit a good after, one but... isn't it i like that. yes yeah, yeah no yeah. It, it looked like it to me as well i think mm. I, was, I was expecting to see cso lines and and then mm. I thought, oh no hang on yeah i think he is he is really there do you notice that one of the action props is a lot better more detailed than the others do you think they put all their effort into the first one with all the wriggly tentacles and then the rest of them just look like a load of scrunched up plastic bags yeah. spray painted which is indeed mine was that I made as a as a child. <laughs> so, good tip there for your listeners yeah. if you fancy making your own. Yeah, hero hero prop, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. No, I did notice that 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 um, that that one of one or two of them had a lot lot fewer tentacles. Mm. Yeah. That's the sausage quota thing again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Big finish of the sequel to this, and they got Bernard Holly back to do the voice of the Axon, of Axos. Oh, yes. Mm. But they didn't really use him very much. Mm. I don't know why. Watching it again, I realised that he actually has adopts quite a dull delivery, which I don't... Mm. I wonder if he's regretting that halfway through. There doesn't seem to be any need for it. It doesn't seem like an alien that... It's, you know, if you ever had an, an excuse to have an alien with a slightly more florid speaking mm. voice, then you could... You know, something matched his visual appearance. This would have been the occasion, mm. but instead he gives it all that sort of Stephen Thorne stuff, <laughs> doesn't he? Yes. Oh well. Is that his name, Bernard Holly? Axon yeah, Man. Yeah, him, right. Yes. Yep. Good. Brex Brexon. <laughs> Pertwee's um, rubbing his neck in several places. He certainly is. Yes, yes, that's developed. His neck in several places. Well, no, well, uh, in several places in the story. Oh, in one place, but he's but he's rubbing it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Tim Pickett Smith in his first. Te- oh yes. In his first television role, apparently. Oh right. Yeah, that was his. F- he's another. First that's another telly. character, and uh, that's a subplot that doesn't really go mm. anywhere, isn't it? Mm. That's definitely one of those things. Another one of those um, signs them overstuffing it. Well, he's yes. in. He's in, in two and three, and I guess it gets it gets kind of resolved, and then they then they just drop him. Drop yes. him like a hot potato. What do you mean you can't see this as a six-parter, Richard? It could be eight or nine episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. On here. No, I'm going to no, go no. away and write up a treatment for a, a ten-part version, of course, of Axos. Yeah. I'll prove you. <laughs> I'll your I tell you what, I mean, after that, um, that graphic novel that I that I looked at over Christmas, the um, Heralds of Destruction that um, that uh, Kieran Hyman put me on to, yeah, I, I could certainly see that that, that you, you could do a sort of multi-part um, treatment of it in mm. uh, in, a, in a comic book. 
Yes. Well, allegedly they were um, they were pitching to do a seven part seven parter apparently. Right. So, um, and this, oh, this, you just checked. Yeah. Well, there yeah, you go. No, says Wikipedia, but then there's mm. enough. There's enough. I remember there's enough Terrence. Doctor Who fans out there to <laughs> to have a pop at it. So, if, um, so it's. Mm. Ter- I'm Terrence. trying to remember Uncle Terence talking fondly about the amount of work he had to do bashing into shape, but he enjoyed it because he enjoyed he liked working with them, mm. so he was happy mm. to. Well, perhaps this is the thing. Perhaps they were just so affable that um, that it didn't really matter. And it's it is a collaborative process, after all. But you know, mm. addressing our question again of why did they get the big gig like you know the, the big gigs like three doctors? Mm. That's such a safe pair of hands. Mm. <laughs> Apparently, despite having, yeah. yeah, despite always having these ridiculously ambitious ideas, yeah. but yes, yeah, so apparently they were initially off, offered a seven, and then, and then an right. opening episode was commissioned as a six-parter, which was apparently going to be filmed at um, Battersea Power Station, so it was going to be the centre. Yeah. So it was all going to be in central London, and then they, um, well, then they pared it all down to four and. And kept Colin in space at six. Excluded the large yeah. action scene set in space. a cruel world. It is, yes, isn't they, it? they excluded yeah. large action scenes set in space and around major London landmarks. That, sound, that <laughs> sounds like Bob and Dave, doesn't it? Well, golly. Mm. I've written here that uh, Chin is like a rubbish version of T-Mat when it comes to sort of dispersing stuff around the world. There's, there's, there's a scene, I think, where <laughs> he's, he's got a world map and he's... Who yes. goes sending now? Yes. Not, <laughs> Not receiving now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I did like the bit where he has to point out where, where Lop Nor is to the, the person who's trying to, <laughs> <laughs> who's trying to put pins on the map. <laughs> who is yeah. he? Does he ever work again? Oh God! What chin? Not oh. chin, not the actor. I don't, I don't think he's got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> mm. One of the unit soldiers is Derek Martin. He was in the Web of Fear as well, in the Covent Garden scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh right. really? Okay. I just recognise him because he's always in the Sweeney. Ah, right. right. <laughs> Wielding a stick with a nail in the end of it, or is he one of the? Um... Yeah, he's slightly overweight villain. Okay. Mm. Peter Bathurst. Hmm. God, wouldn't it be funny if it turned out he was father of Robert or something? Hmm. <laughs> Probably not. Um, there is, a, I think, it is an acting family. The um, Joe's very good at mental arithmetic. It turns out there's there's, there's some extraordinary. Oh yes, yes we shouting yes. out, you know, fifteen thirty-seven. You know, take the square root of that, yes. multiply it by, you know, she's parroting along beside him somehow. Mm. Perhaps teachers should uh, slap kids before exams, then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is, is, that, is that where we're heading? Mm. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Think of an animal with the number corresponding to the letter you're first thinking of, and um, mm. what have you. Okay, mm. well, according to, according to um, Bathurst's filmography... You're looking at that as well. I'm afraid I am, yes. He plays a lot of colonels, doctors, professors and Yes, he's had a a long, (laughs) long career. Oh, including including a Quatermass experiment. Um, Yeah. And uh, yes, he had a long long career that Terence and and Barry between them just about managed to finish off. (laughs) (laughs) Between, oh, of course, he's Hensel in um, Power of the Daleks. Is he? Yes. 
Well, my apologies. Mm. He's far more famous than I thought. Yeah, but then right. basically, Claws of Axos, and then he had a um, couple of couple of bit parts, and um, and then three, ep- three is... episodes of the Director General of Moonbase Three, mm. and then that was, really last, that was his last. That was his last Thanks, telly. Yes. <laughs> there's there's some great um, uh, action scenes with Havoc, I guess. Yes. You know. Uh, um, you've got Benton and Yates and a couple of axons uh, at one point, and then there's a, earlier on there's another runaround bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Do we get some nice falls down, down steep grassy banks like in um, Terror of the Autons? Mm. Havoc are particularly keen on those. Oh at yes. This stage, aren't they? That's right. Yes, they, 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 there is that two two axons rolling away. And dare I mention that <laughs> bizarre obsession certain fans have with the fact that. They forgot to put the blue screen background in on certain shots of Benson in the Jeep. Just because the sky is an unnatural shade of blue, everyone assumes that he's he's not really on location. He's in a, oh, a studio okay. against a blue, blue screen. You've never come across that? No. That's all people ever go on about. Well, they oh, used right. to. <laughs> it's just a strange day with no clouds okay. and a right. slightly overcast sky. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, what the hell would he be in the studio? Anyway, mm. never mind. Yeah. Well, they did, have, they did have freak weather conditions, after all. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe on the uh, special edition DVD I looked at, they've colour corrected that. You can see you can see Mike Yates in the back of the Land Rover. He keeps swapping between a rifle and a brain gun. Oh right, in different cuts as well. Who are? Wow. I'm looking up Bill. I'm desperately trying to drag this back to our theme of spies and espionage. Go on, then. No, I'm. <laughs> I haven't succeeded yet. I'm just checking uh, the actor Bill Filer, Paul Grist. Is he well known? Is anyone else known yeah. from anything? Not really. No, no. What do we think of his accent? Oh. Actually, we should. We're not really qualified, are we? We should have brought an American. I was going to say, is this a trap? Is he going to turn out to be from Yorkshire? Hmm. I don't feel like it's one of those obviously terrible ones because he has a no. t- an odd voice, an odd tone to his timbre, to his voice, which is plausible. Distracts isn't it? from. Yeah, it's kind of the way he talks like that that makes... Is that part of his <laughs> acting choice, or has he really got a 60-day habit? I can't work out mm-hmm. where that's coming from. Can't. Yeah, normally normally Americans in Doctor Who are either Canadian or British, aren't they? He's Welsh. Mm. Oh, right. Maybe that helps. Maybe that yeah, helps. indeed, for goodness. <laughs> it's definitely a classic um, sort of Hollywood American accent that he's going for, mm. which is better than... It just baffles me sometimes. The further back you go in the sixties and in the fifties, how some British actors seem to have never heard an American. It's very mm. they go for some extremely peculiar choices, and you think, well, they must have grown up watching American films. I don't quite you know why they. So. You'd think it'd be very easy to do a bad approximation of that rather than these strange, mm. strangulated. Anyway, good for Welsh Paul Grist. Mm. Absolutely. The Avengers, nineteen sixty-one. Which episode's that? Anyway, so do we want to? We probably, yes, we should probably talk about comparisons and what have yeah. we. And are we are we going to hmm. quick talk amongst ourselves? Are we going to pretend <laughs> that we knew the master was going to be in the new episode of Doctor Who, and that that's why we cleverly chose to link these two stories? No. Are we going to come clean and say that it's actually an extremely tenuous link? And I think which fortuitously, in the spirit of this podcast, it would be um. Yes. We should admit that it was okay. <laughs> that it was a yeah. desperate, okay. <laughs> desperate link. Okay, I I admit it. Simon Giles and Richard didn't know the master was going to be in it, no. and obviously I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 and you just went along with us. Yes. 
Yeah. Which just yeah, doesn't yeah, sound right. Um, yes. No, I think considering considering we did select it on on the thinnest grounds possible, given <laughs> given how little we knew about Spyfall you know, at, the, mm. at the time when we selected it, um, we've uh, we've rather lucked in. We've rather lucked in there. Yeah. I guess thematically, we've touched on the you know possible you know that there's possible greed in different ways. I guess it's a bit of a stretch to say yeah. they're mirrors of each. You know they're they're direct mirrors of each other because I don't think um, much of Spyfall stops to you know stops to give us a very good lecture on data security, etc. Um, at a few places in the you know in the plot as it goes along, it's not really and and yes it is yes it can link it back to people's greed for you know, easy technology. I wouldn't say it, it doesn't knock you over the head with that theme. In quite the same, in possibly in quite the same way as Paxos knocks you over the head no, with degrees. Well, I, I, mean, I guess they're both trying to just say, say to you, think, you know, if if something seems too good to be true, if it, if, it, if it's mm. a if it's a free offer, then you yes, know, you've got to be yeah. paying somewhere else. Mm. Yes, which strikes me. It suddenly strikes me, and I don't, I don't think I missed it, but the um, why on earth? Given how apt it would have been to the um, to the theme of um, of Spyfall, why on earth did they not have the line about if you're not paying for the product, you are the product? Because uh-huh. that would have been so <laughs> so mm. apt in that story, given the denouement. Moffat would have done, and have engineered this the plot so that it had a very sinister double meaning somehow. Mm. That's what he would have done. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Let's phone him up and ask him what it would have been. <laughs> it's interesting. I quite want to go back and watch the mummies thing from um, Capaldi um, now because the lie of the land, I remember as being a something of an extended metaphor on fake news and and it's and I guess that's more more attacking the fake news side of things than than anything, but mm. done very much very much through metaphor rather than rather than a direct you know like. Cautionary tale. We've briefly got the Masters Tardis and Claws, mm. and, and what's the, the disguise does? Uh, it isn't. It's is it the it's filing cabinet. Oh no, that's sorry. It's it's the sort of default shape, I think. Oh, is it? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what I, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but it's sort of like cuboid, I think. Is that only inside the Axon spaceship? Is that? Yeah. Oh right, yes. Okay. Yeah. I did feel like his plan in the Masters plan in Skyfall, Spyfall was. More season eighty than mm. any any shenanigans he's got up to in New Who's thus far. Mm. I mean, only mm. very superficially in that he was working with some on behalf, <laughs> rather nebulously on behalf of some sort of alien power. Mm. But he hasn't done a lot of that, has he? In in New Who, so nice to see him back to what he knows, mm. what he does best. Mm. By which I mean mm. worst. Yeah. But, uh, well, I was so- half expecting him to. Them to double cross him or vice versa mm. at the end, but uh, well, he was obviously he was planning to double cross them, and yeah. they and he suffered the consequences in terms of being dragged, yeah. dragged off to their shadow dimension, what have you. Simon, have you, have you got something that you want to say before you need to disappear off? No, it's just been I, I loved um, Paul's call on uh, Felix Leiter. <laughs> and Bill Filer, I thought that was excellent. Mm. So 
good to be back in the groove again. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, if you if you need to disappear off, um, we can, um, the three of us can sort of pilot the okay. thing home now. No, thanks for that, chaps. Good listening yeah. to you again. Oh, that's great. Thanks for thanks for coming along. And uh, yes, we hope we'll, you'll be able to join us more frequently as we um, go on. But hopefully, yeah. What the heck are we going to pair the next episode Ooh. with? <laughs> uh, we'll work it out. All right. Cheers, chaps. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. See you. See you. Bye. Bye. I was wondering if like, there's anything I could follow up on. Um, Apparently, my best contribution, which was to compare Bill Fire with Felix Leiter, but but there isn't. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing to be said about that. <laughs> I do want to know what I do want to know more about him. Mm. The actor's still alive; he's about eighty, so uh, I don't think even Big Finish will mm. be releasing the Adventures mm. of Bill Filer. But there's a pretty mm. spoof out there, Perhaps by the way. If, if people haven't, I know. I actually, I say it's out there. God knows where it is, but there. Um, there is a brilliant. Someone did a brilliant uh, Bill Foley unit agent uh, oh. spoof uh, spoof movie. Well, I should hope so too. Yeah. Did unit ha- ever have branches in America, or was it just? I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't. Is there? Uh, in but... in RTD era. Yeah. Mm, yes. There's no reason why yeah, the seventies version shouldn't have done. Wasn't Michael Brandon working for them? Yeah. Oh, hang on. In um, the Zygon two-parter, they go out to America, don't they? Mm. Kate Stewart's out there. Mm. Oh yes, that's I mean, right. so, so 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 I so I guess that's what I guess the last thing I wanted to bring up was this bizarre thing that they they mentioned that units being disbanded. I mean, of course oh, it yes. has to be disbanded because because otherwise they'd be involved, and I guess Chibnall didn't want them to be. But it, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a throwaway line, and it's it, it's another one of those. Units here, no, it's gone. No, it's back. No, it's gone. Yeah. A, a bit like Gallifrey. It it, uh, it feels like if they could have found another reason why Unit couldn't have been involved, it would have been um, better. Yeah, and they never bothered in the seventies. If you wanted to have the Navy as a unit this week, you did. Yeah. And if and as the seventies wore on into Hinchcliffe era, if you didn't want to have Unit in the story, you didn't. Mm. They didn't bother explaining where they went when they weren't there. No, and I guess mm. it was, we had a hint of it in the. Um, Resolution last New Year, didn't we? That um, that there was the, there was a line where the doctor tries to call unit and, yes, and it's been indeed. disbanded in a bit of um, bit of Brexit slash Trump. Um, oh yes, that's true. Parody, that's yeah. right. about, about the um, yes, collapse of collapse of international institutions, so on. Good point. Like, how, how did I forget that? Mm. It was a bit of a throwaway gag, though. They didn't exactly mm. make a um, make a plot point of it. Mm. And I think it's it's a bit of a shame. I was wondering why the doctor bothered repeating it here, mm. bearing in mind they covered it, you know, not at length, but it's over two or three minutes in last New Year's mm. Eve, like mm. New Year's Day. I, I can only see they repeated it in case people thought that was just a joke and they needed to hammer out. <laughs> no, no, they really have gone. It's serious. <laughs> well, the I, doctor has yes. no use. I guess that's true in that in that regard, though. I know I I kind of thought it was a joke in regards to I certainly didn't appreciate the implications for the it's very terrestrial setup. Mm. It's very odd, wasn't it? Because we had the Doctor tries to get in such a unit as told they don't exist and then the second half of the story is all about the army mm. fighting the Daleks. So that could easily have been anyway, never mind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> unit in yeah. those those action scenes that mm. oh, definitely. he knew he yeah. needed he knew he needed to have. So mm. that's even well, stranger uh, than this. Yeah, unless he just didn't want to blast unit because they all get 
externally, don't they? Maybe maybe he was he felt you'd you'd feel a bit too um, attached to them if they were unit soldiers, whereas if they're just regular, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't try and think yourself yeah. into the mind of a genius like Chris Chibnall. It's a fool's <laughs> errand. Yeah, yeah. You could lose no. yourself in there. Mm. <laughs> yes, no, it was it was it was a bit odd. And then the um then the, the question mm. of whether so MI6 are now in charge of Earth defence or at least localised mm. Earth defence. The fact they seem somewhat um, ignorant of the reality of mm. aliens also um mm. that's to yeah. a slightly mm. alarming extent of mm. you know and they and they they name check yep. they name check units and torture so they clearly know they exist but whether yes. they're um. They must, but what? What do they think they're investigating? Well, exactly. They don't that's believe. The thing. Are, they, are they in denial, or are they? Yeah, are they? Mm. Of, Very. Of the, that's not, Very not, my, depa- I think not my department's be, attitude. Or, um, I think when you start, when you address these things half-heartedly, it's you open up a bigger can of worms if you just don't yes. mention it at mm. all. Yeah. To what extent is Bill Filer a spy? I mean, he's is he a secret agent or is he just I an th- agent? Yeah. So I think this whole thing. I think the Target book makes. Most of that up. I, I, I in watching the the, uh, the TV story, I didn't really get that sense at all. No, but the, we can't. We'll have to re-record this now. It's based on a faulty first premise. <laughs> this entire episode. I, uh, well, I, no, I think I think Simon uh, Simon said he read the book first, and I read the book first, and I remember very much that the that the target book presents him as a uh, as a spy. One and, of Terence's and, and, little yes. improvements. Mm. Yeah, so so that's where that came from. But yeah, he's just the man from he Washington. He doesn't do any spying, does he? Everything's completely open in the open. It's well, except for that, <laughs> he, he manages to tune his car radio into the very secret transmissions of uh, of unit. But yeah, other than that, no. His duplicate does more spying than he does. <laughs> Briefly. Mm. Well, I think we can categorically mm. say that Claude Vaxos and Spyfall are two Doctor Who stories. <laughs> they, they're, they're perhaps also two stories where the first half and the second half are a little bit different as well. I mean, you, you know, the, the, the first half of Claus is, is, you know, I guess very much about the, the cell. And then the second half is about the having, once you know that they're, that they're the bad guys, it's about, you know, the... the the downfall and the and, and and the plot and the doctor and the master working together and so on. Mm. And in fact, I mean, there's that there's that whole episode three where the master is. It, it's not entirely clear what he's trying to do. Whether he's just trying to escape in the doctor's tardis or whether he has got a, a, a something else in his mind. Mm. But yeah, he's there's there's a change of pace certainly around that point. Have you got any final thoughts? I'm just going to recommend it's called it's called Bill Foley Unit Operative, and it is on YouTube. The, um, the spoof, which I remember being quite funny when I when I watched it a few years ago. Well, I mean, I've got I've, I've got two final questions um, for you. Good man. Hmm. So first off, first one is why doesn't Yaz uh, get a bow tie? I, isn't she cool? Oh, ah. don't know. I mean, everyone they, they 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 turn up the three of them with 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 dicky bows. Apparently, Yaz has a sort of chain with a with a with a bow tie emblem on it. But she's um, she's sort of strangely uh, different in her outfit from the other three. If you've got nothing much to say on that one, why can nobody <laughs> shoot straight in Chibnall's Doctor Who? Oh my goody aunt. Lenny Henry can't shoot straight. Those those bolts completely miss everybody in the car apart from the driver, hmm. and then <laughs> Stephen Fry later on. That's fairly close range, isn't it? I think, uh, yeah, I was more distracted 
by Graham's laser shoes because although he wasn't trying to yeah. kill anybody, yes, I just worried he was going to take yes, take some of his friends, the fam, out with friendly <laughs> fire. Yes, it looks very <laughs> random. <It's... laughs> there was a fair chance of it, wasn't there? Mm. But perhaps that's what I was supposed to think. It was a comedy moment. Mm. We could have had a a cue. We could have seen who who created those things. Yes, that's true. Hmm. Was oh oh, I'm getting flashbacks. Who's the chap? Uh, the Lee Evans character. The Lee Evans episode. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was that. That was. He was him, sort of it? that. Yes. But then yes. Yes, yeah. Fry got to play both parts really, didn't he? To some extent, so it was yeah. Osgood. But um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, could have done with a bit of Osgood. No. Oh well. Who knows? I guess they. Too late. Needed that in the past, or they? Yeah. Find it a bit odd, given given Chibnall's been quite. Was quite pivotal to, you know, reintroducing units with the power of three, establishing what was the the modern setup of units, as we had it for quite a few years. Mm. It's starting to look like he just doesn't want to be tied down to having to have unit and Gallifrey in every story alternating, mm. which obviously you, you have to <laughs> if they exist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, mm. Well, here next, all the previous yeah. companions have died, so that nobody can ask for. <laughs> any cameos from any of them? Mm. Just got everything clear, cleared out of the way. <laughs> and uh, I, I suppose both of our two stories here—the the master sort of disappears off, possibly in the grip of the aliens, or this possibly is true. not. Yes. We have that sort of ambiguity around what's happened. Yeah, I, I did like that at the end of um, you know, at the end of Spyfall. I thought, okay, that's a good traditional master, you know, like traditional fate for the master. <laughs> we know damn well he'll be back. With, yeah, with yes. barely a line to um, yeah, yeah. That is the thing I would Possibly probably you know forgetting this, forgetting this now discredited spy um c- c- connection. I think the biggest c- connection between the two stories is the the master's plan. The, the whole treatment of the master here is mm. quite mm. traditional, the most yeah. traditional we've had since the good old days. Possibly since um, I want to go out and live and say since season eight. I don't think that's mm. true, but I'm just going to say it to pretend that there's a much stronger connection than there is. <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah, he's back. He's bad. And he's bonkers. He's well, yes, yeah. But in a he's only briefly he's only briefly bonkers. But in a probably. yes, he he's is. bonkers in a different way from yes, he's not. He's not. No, I was much more disturbed by his quiet, mm. the, the quiet revelation that mm. he just casually killed all the time. I mean, mm. even John Sim didn't do that. No. Mm. True. Oh, and we got the emergency, so um, the emergency hologram program as well, snuck in there as well. In terms of nice, nice little nods that don't, um, yeah, that don't, um, don't impinge mm. on, impinge on new viewers. But, um, so I'm sure something's going to be up. Some people are going to be upset that the character development with Missy is overturned. Hmm. But um, you know. But it was never going to. It was never going to. It was never going to stick. No. And we may end up having to read between the lines to discover what it was that. Turned her, but I, th- I think we we're already getting some fairly strong hints. Mm, true, and also yes, there's, there's nothing worse than Moffat did to. Nothing, <laughs> nothing worse than Moffat did, you know, and didn't well than any successive showrunner has done when they felt it was expeditious to what they the story they wanted to tell. Mm. Good lord, it's two hours. Is it? Oh, good yes, lord. so I, I, I think we'll. Um... We'll bring things to a close. It seems like a time so... to draw a veil over it. Well, in general, I'm yes. I think I'd just say I'm enthused. You know, it's um, it's nice to feel quite enthusiastic about what's going to come down the line. And um, 
hmm. as you say, Paul, it's nice that you know the the um that feeling of being genuinely intrigued by okay, where are they going with this? And hopefully it'll be yeah, you know, hopefully it will that will be sustained. I'm sure we'll have a fair bit of standalone stuff to you know, to come over the next few weeks, but hopefully they can they can land the idea successfully whenever we get the payoff. And um and it is quite nice and that's something that I felt was, you know, certainly missing last year is that feeling of there being some kind of ongoing mystery to Hmm. to to look forward to gravy okay well look thanks thanks for you all for your thoughts on those two stories and thanks to our listeners for uh, making it through this rather epic episode (laughs) with us and uh, as we said at the start please fill in our survey so we know what it is that you're thinking and, and, and what you like about our uh, podcast. And if you've got any any thoughts about how we can improve it, that would be interesting to know too. Or pangolins. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So we'll see you again soon. So yeah, so, so yes, we, we look forward to speaking to you soon um, as we continue our, our look at the new series um, in combination with the old. Goodbye from me. Sarah for now, Chuck. The Enchantress of Numbers. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And it's uh, goodbye from Uh, me. Very good. And if you're looking for a goodbye, check out The Enchantress of Numbers (laughs) from all good big finish retailers now. (laughs) Oh, Oh, very good. That's a top plug, that. Mm. Very good plug. (laughs) Excellent. Right, well, Uh, somewhere in there, there's there's gold. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Thrown you with, I've thrown you with the pangolin com- comment. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think don't I think it'd been any better if you're. <laughs> no, 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 no. I ran out, I ran out of steam there. Yeah, and then on the on the magazine I work on the the science and nature kids kids science and nature magazine we did a um we did a reader survey and um and that was one of the <laughs> I went to the feedback thing and there was various various things and there was. There was one kid that had basically all of the all of the answers to virtually every question was that they wanted more pangolins in the magazine. So, it's definitely a thought. Yes. Pangolins are very cool. I did like your your almost. Um, I'm not sure whether that was a slip or what, but your uh, our words are una- our words are unaccountable. Like years away. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, it, it's. Um... It's almost word for word from the original, actually. It's mm. surprising how little had to be changed, but there we go. I mean, that is, of course, my stock in trade, which is, is to not actually write very much. Yes, it's. it, it was also... Um... No, I've gone. So I think having run out of, of steam quite effectively... <laughs> how on earth are we going to bring this round to something worth listening to? Uh, I would just... With a lot of editing. <laughs> anyone, have you usual. got a... Have you got any final thoughts that can save us?